What is going on, BBN? Welcome back to episode two of the Kentucky Connection pod. Our first episode went up last night. We talked a lot about the Kentucky basketball team, the transfer portal, looking at the roster, the Shade and Sharp situation. So if you guys are interested in that type of thing, go check out the previous episode. It is up right now. The video version is also live on YouTube, if that's your thing. Um, but how you doing today, Laren? We're back for another episode. We've got another bunch of cool stuff to talk about. Doing good. Uh had to work this morning, then hit the gym. Ready to talk Kentucky sports now. Yeah, man. Hey, that's the be- best way to end the day, I, I would think. Um, so we've got a wide array of topics today, primarily uh, talking about the football team and the upcoming football season. You know, there's a lot of hype around that. But we're also going to touch a little bit on the women's basketball team because there's been a lot of news surrounding that, a lot of good things happening with Kyra Elsie's program. Um, so we're going to touch on that first, and then we'll get into all this Kentucky football stuff. Um, so segueing into the first part, let's talk about the women's basketball team. Um, you know, the most important recent addition was Maddie Schur, the transfer from Oregon, former five-star recruit, um, who chose Oregon. She was Miss Kentucky basketball, uh, in the state of Kentucky in high school before going to Oregon, where she played sparingly before deciding to come back home. So what do you think about us landing Maddie? I think it's big personally. Um, like you said, former five-star, she went to Ryle high school, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, she uh, leads Ryle all time in scoring, rebounding, and assists while leading them to the 2019 state title. Um, I just think having someone of that caliber on the roster, um, even though she's the 15th scholarship on the roster, she's gonna she's an instant day one plug and play for us. Right. And, you know, when when you look at who we've lost, you know, of course, Ryan Howard ended up being the number one overall pick in the WNBA. I think today she dropped 33 points for the Atlanta Dream, which is currently like the season high in the WNBA. So she's already dominating in the NBA. That just shows how much production and how much, you know, how much of an elite player we lost when Ryan Howard left. So adding a former five star McDonald's All-American recruit. Um, you know, who was is one of the most decorated high school women's basketball players in in recent memory, adding a player like that who maybe just didn't get to crack the rotation as much as she wanted to. She played good minutes at Oregon, but it wasn't, you know, she wasn't in a starting role. So I do think she's going to slide into that Ryan Howard position. Obviously, I don't think anyone expects her to be replacing Ryan Howard's production, but um, getting a player of that caliber to come slide into that position definitely helps a lot with losing a player like Ryan. Uh, I agree with you there. Um, I've written down here, I think she started 28 games. I don't know if that's over the span of her, was it two-year career at Oregon? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was last year. I started 28 games, only averaged 4.7 and 3.7 points and rebounds. So um, little production there. Maybe she couldn't crack the rotation like you said, but at Kentucky, she'll get her chance. Yeah, absolutely. And looking at that women's basketball team, you know, we did lose like – of course, Ryan Howard and then Drayuna Edwards was our second best player. She transferred to Baylor. Um, you know, she hit the game winning shot in the SEC championship to beat South Carolina. Um, that was a great run. Uh, we lost Olivia Owens. Like, I think we lost four players to the transfer portal. And but uh, Mazengill as well. Yeah, Mazengill, right. Um, and she, that was weird because I, you know, she was a starter for us. I was. I was kind of confused when she transferred as well. But uh, when you look at who we're returning, Jada Walker um, got some starting point guard minutes for us last year as a true freshman. Um, She's really, really solid. Uh, She reminds me a lot of Taylor Murray, who's a – she was the point guard on, like, the Macy Morris women's basketball teams, uh, you know, where she was a really speedy kind of small point guard but a great playmaker and could score the ball. So Jada Walker coming back is huge. Uh, Senior Blair Green will be coming – 
coming back off that ACL tear. That's huge. Um, so Emma King will be a senior next year. Um, so she's looking to contribute. Nia Leveretter down in the post. So the team's looking solid. Uh, yeah, um, Robin Benton from Conyers, Georgia. She's returning. Um, wasn't I think she's a transfer from Auburn. Uh, right, last and offering. she was a starter for us, a surefire starter for us. So her coming back is big. And then um, the incoming freshman you got, you got uh, Cassidy Rowe and Amaya Jenkins, both from Kentucky. And then uh, Kennedy Cambridge, she's from Nashville, Inthorpe High School. Uh, then the uh, transfers, you got one from Buffalo, South Carolina, and LSU, Adabola Adai from mm. Buffalo. I think that's how you pronounce it. Anaya Russell from South Carolina and uh, Ajaya Petty from LSU, which last year South Carolina and LSU were uh, very good. So the fact that we got two, I think they're in the same boat as sure they couldn't crack the rotation at their respective schools. So I think them coming to UK and with the departure we just had, I think Russell and Petty will get their chance. And then the MAC-10 has some stout teams, so Adebola might show us something. Right, and I'm very excited for um, incoming freshman Cassidy Rowe. She's she's a warrior, bro. Like she she came up, she had two torn ACLs in high school, back to back, one in both legs, I believe. And um, you know, watching her film, I really like her. I think that she's going to be a bucket for us. So yeah, some of these incoming freshmen, I'm excited about. We land some quality transfers, some some players who uh, like the LSU and the South Carolina transfer. You know, th- those girls are going to be able to contribute, you know, being at high level um, SEC programs um, and, and get seeing playtime at those programs, you know, they're going to get to come here and have a little bit more freedom in the lineup uh, to do what they got to do. So overall, the women's basketball team is looking solid. We did lose a ton of production, but I like what Kyra Elsie's done. She has an SEC championship under, you know, really tough odds. You know, it was no one would have expected that made a great run in the tournament um, in the SEC tournament. So you know, I like Kyra, and I, I do think that she's doing a good job of rebuilding this team after losing so much. Um, who was the last head coach uh, before Elsie? Matthew Mitchell. Yeah, so Mitchell left Elsie behind a bunch of talent, and Elsie made it work, obviously. We got a, um SEC title out of it. But when that departure happened, I read a few articles where people were calling for Elsie's job. And right. I think what she's done this offseason is a great, great turnaround right there. Yeah, no, I agree. And and I think she inherited Matthew Mitchell's players, Matthew Mitchell's scheme, and he didn't really like to play with very many bigs. And I feel like in women's college basketball, you have to have a really solid post presence to be super successful. You can't just rely on guard play and shooting and stuff. And I think that's why we kind of struggled to see a ton of success in the women's basketball program. So I'm hoping that one of these incoming players we have – um, you know, can kind of hold down that post presence a little bit because I think we'll have the guard play. You know, that's never been a question at, at Kentucky with the women's basketball program. We've always had great guards, um, but it's time to start, you know, bolstering that, that you know, the middle um, because I think if we do that, we can we can take that next step into being a, a top-tier program. Yeah, you uh, you get a big in there, two bigs. So Benton, isn't she a big? No, Benton's a guard. Benton's a guard. Uh, um, I forgot who the big was besides Edwards. Um, Olivia Owens was the starting big at the beginning of the year, but she wasn't doing too great. So I think they just moved to a small ball. I think Edwards actually came off the bench for most of the season. She was actually our sixth man, I believe. Um, Blair, Blair Green will be a power forward. You know, she'll play the four. 
uh, stretch four for us. And then um, Nia Leveretter is coming back, and she's probably going to be able to plug into that center position for us. And we've got a couple, I think one of the, I think either the LSU transfer or the South Carolina transfer, or maybe both of them are forwards as far as I know. Uh, I think the South Carolina one is. I'm not sure about LSU. I'm not sure about Petty. Okay. Um, and then we've got a forward coming in as well in the recruiting class. So hopefully one of those girls can can step up down down low. But overall. If, if the big step up, I think, I mean, us repeating as SEC championship is going to be a challenge. Right. But if the big step up, I feel like we can make a run towards it. Right. I agree. So nice things coming with the women's basketball team. We just wanted to touch on that a little bit, kind of talk about, you know, the, the incoming players, some of the transfers, and just kind of talk about the roster as a whole. Um, but now we can segue into the main part of this um, podcast where we're discussing the Kentucky football roster. We're coming off of a 10-3 and season where we won a New Year's Day Bowl. It wasn't a New Year's Six Bowl, but a New Year's Day Bowl in the Citrus Bowl against a, an Iowa team that made it to the Big Ten Championship. You know, they were one of the best teams in that conference. And uh, we beat them in our bowl game. Uh, we put a few guys in the NFL, and now we're reloading for next season. Um, so we were going to just talk about their roster, the transfers, maybe some of the recruiting classes, and some guys, or maybe some of the guys in the recruiting class, and then some of the impact players for this team. So how you feeling about the football squad? I'm personally loving the football team. Um, you look at what we've done recently with wide receivers. Uh, we got Robinson from Virginia Tech. He only had three catches, I think, in his Alabama career, but Javon Baker is 6'2", 206. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dakel Crowdis, I think, will be back this year. So, I mean, we have Magwood. There's more wide receivers now than I feel like there's ever been under Mark Stoops. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the talent level is extremely high. Dakel Crowdis was a four-star ESPN 300 recruit. Dane Key, one of the incoming freshmen, was a four-star ESPN 300 recruit. Um, of course, Javon Baker was a, four, a high four-star, borderline five-star, ended up at Alabama, former ESPN 300 recruit. Uh, Barryon Brown coming in was a fringe four or five-star um, you know, he chose us over Alabama. You know, get, we're getting guys like that in here. And then, of course, Tavion Robinson, who has already proven that he can contribute at a, at a high level. And he was definitely the best receiver at Virginia Tech over the last two seasons. So um, that wide receiver room is is just different. Like you said, it's it's been – we just really haven't had that level of talent in that receiver room. You know, last season it was it was Wondell Robinson. Like, that was 90% of our offense, our, our passing game. And then Josh Ali would catch a couple of passes every game. And then after that, almost no production. So um, that receiver room is going to be a lot more spread out this season. And uh, I'm really excited. I mean, Will Levis taking that next jump, we'll see what he can do. But with more weapons, you know, Keaton Upshaw's back from his ACL tear at tight end. He's a 6'7 tight end who can catch everything thrown his way. Um, so the weapons are going to be there, man. I'm excited. Oh, I'm excited too. Um, the one – position that is worrying me is the offensive line you mm-hmm. lose canard fortner i think there was one more we lost this year dare rosenthal and dare rosenthal they were all three starters um you bring in the auburn offensive lineman to sean manning who they have him a 6'4 250 or is yeah. it six and nine? yeah 6'4 250 i think he's probably bigger than 250 um maybe I don't know that maybe I don't know I'm honestly not sure he looks bigger than 250 that's for sure, um, right? 
But yeah, I mean, the O-line is going to be a little bit of concern just because we have to replace so much production. But I really trust what Coach Stoops is doing with the O-line. He's always had a good O-line. And Zach Yenser, in my opinion, is is going to – he's a better O-line coach for us than Eric Wolford was. You know, he left us for Alabama. But I do think that um, Zach Yenser is going to do a great job with that O-line. Of course, having five-star Keontae Goodwin come in, he is a freshman. He's he's very raw, but he's so physically imposing, standing at 6'8". You know, he's he's just huge, very strong. They're saying that he looks really good. Um, you know, Kenneth Horsey's coming back on that O-line. Jagger Burton, who's a former four-star, he was a very high-level recruit. He'll be a sophomore. Um, Eli Cox will be back. So I think the O-line is still fine. Like you said, Tashawn Manning from Auburn, he's a multi-year starter at Auburn. Um, he's an absolute freak as well. So, you know, I think we're good um, at a base level. I don't think it's going to be a bad O-line, but we we might see a slight drop-off just because of the, the guys that we lost. Yeah, and then you mentioned Will Levis having more weapons so Will Levis, he's our day one, obviously starter at quarterback. Right. Um, this offseason, you add the Iowa quarterback Deuce Hogan. Mm-hmm. He, that was shocking to me. He transferred here, I think, a few days after we beat them in yeah. the Citrus Bowl. Yeah. Um, and but you, go ahead. Oh, sorry. the 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 story behind that is hilarious. Like apparently, the coach there, um, like made a joke about Deuce about how like somebody asked a question like. Why didn't you put Deuce Hogan in the game when they were losing a game? It was like a couple weeks before the end of the season. And uh, he was like, the day I put Deuce Hogan in at starting quarterback is the day I lose my job or something like that. That's not exactly what he said. But he basically just straight disrespected him. Then you have uh, Bo Allen and then uh, Kion Sheeran or Kaya Sheeran. Mm-hmm. Kaya Sheeran, yeah. Kaya yeah. Sheeran. I've heard great things about Sheeran. But at the same time, Allen's been here. This will be, what, his third year? Mm-hmm. So – I think the backup role will go to either Sheeran or Allen at the start of the season. But that's not to say Hogan or the – there's one more quarterback I can't think of. I'm not sure of any other than Levis, Hogan, Sharon, and – oh, uh, there's um, Destin Wade coming in. Wade, yeah, Wade. Uh, so I think Wade will have his shot after Levis' season when the uh, quarterback position is open. I just think the top three, or the starters, Levis, I think two and three will be either Allen at two or Sharon at two, and the other one's three. I think that's your depth chart at quarterback this year. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know. I mean, we look watching the spring game, Hogan looked really solid, and I, I saw some people saying Deuce Hogan was QB2, and I think there's so much, like, there's no real – answer right now as to who the backup quarterback is like if will levis goes down i don't think there's a guaranteed who the exact backup is because bo allen came in as a four-star he was a he was a highly touted recruit but it doesn't look at least to us and the ways the the way the coaches kind of talk about it it doesn't seem like uh bo allen has really improved the way that they needed him to or they expected him to um, and you can just watch him out there. He just doesn't look quite as comfortable as he maybe should. So I, I do think that Deuce Hogan could end up being QB2. Um, but obviously, Will Levis being being QB1 is a, is a given. And, um, you know, just talking about the team a little bit further as a whole, um, moving kind of to the defensive side of the ball, we also have a lot to replace there. You know, Yusuf Corker was a, a three-year starter at safety. He was an all-SEC safety. Josh Pascal is one of the best players we've had on the defense in the Mark Stoops era. we got to replace him. So um, a ton of production having to be replaced on that side of the ball. And then the secondary was terrible last year, but it might be somehow worse this year if 
uh, we, you know, we've had to add, I think what three transfers to that secondary, you know, Vito Tisdale went down with a tour in ACL. So he's out, he would have been a day one starter in that secondary, but now he's out because of the ACL. So um, talk about the secondary a little bit and kind of how you feel about, about the guys back there. And if you think that, you know, the secondary is going to end up being okay this year. So when Vito went down, that hurt me personally. I played high school football in the state of Kentucky. I played against Vito once or twice, and he burnt us every time. Like, Vito is – he's a dog. Right. You can even tell from the first first hit in the Citrus Bowl, he laid that Iowa dude out. Yeah, he, so, he's a headhunter for sure. Yeah, losing Vito is going to hurt, but I think he'll come back even stronger. Like you said, we have to replace a lot, so we have the – um transfer db from tsu texas state zion childress he picked us over tcu in washington Mm -hmm. but if you look at what tcu has done recently with dbs i think us getting zion over tcu is a saying something there yeah for sure and i i don't know much about his time at texas state i briefly looked at his stats and stuff but i do think you know a multi-year starter at a d1 program who played at a high level you know coming here it's it's gonna be you know it it you can't expect a guy like that to come in and be an instant like game changer in the secondary, but he's from what I read about him, he's a very versatile defensive back. He can play the corner. He can play the nickel. He can play the safety. He can kind of go wherever you need him to go on the field. So getting, you know, Mark Stoops loves versatility. He wants his players to be able to play in multiple positions, especially on that defense. And that kind of leads into the Ole Miss transfer. We got Kadron Smith, who's very similar. He can play on the outside as a corner, but he's most comfortable as like a nickel, you know, safety linebacker hybrid. So, um, you know, landing guys like that to bolster that secondary does help. I would agree. Uh, right here says that uh, Smith had 65 career ta- career tackles, and in his, I think it was two seasons at Ole Miss, he had two interceptions, and they both came last season. So just the sheer fact that you're adding someone that has SEC caliber uh, experience, I just think that along with the Jacquez Jones chemistry possibly. Yep. I feel like that's going to be big for uh, Smith. He might be able to get in there. And, I mean, I think they're all going to, like, impact from day one in the secondary. But I think Smith with the chemistry and having the SEC background, I just think Smith might have an edge. For sure. And and it, it was nice to be able to have that. It's nice to know that our recruiting and our transfers and stuff, it branches out to getting us other players. Get, if we didn't get Jack Jacquez Jones last year, I'm not sure we'd get Kadron Smith this year. Like, there was obviously some camaraderie there that, you know, kind of led K. John Smith to come into UK. So that's a big thing as well. When you recruit a guy from another SEC program, he comes here, plays super well. He talks highly about the staff to his former teammate who then decides to also transfer here. That's really good stuff. And that's what, uh, you know, maybe landing a guy like Javon Baker from Alabama, you know, maybe he has a great season and some of his buddies over at Alabama see that and they're not getting much playing time at Bama. So they're like, you know what, let's go do what Javon did and go play at Kentucky. So that type of recruiting that branches out to these other teams at other high level programs and starts to bring in their teammates and stuff who want to come play here too. That is very positive stuff for the future of the program. And then uh, the D2 quarterback or cornerback uh, DB Jordan Robinson from Livingstone college. That was crazy. That was a, that was a surprise for sure. It was under the radar. He's six, three, one ninety. Sounds like a typical stoops. stoops DB. Yeah. And actually the, the measurements I saw in an article the other day was that he was six, four, one ninety five. So I don't know. I don't know. There's some, there's some 
you know, differences there. But, I mean, if he really is 6'4", 195, I mean, you, you just look at the guy. You can see he's super lanky and long. Um, I don't think there was any film available on him, and I don't even think he really, like, played that much for Livingstone last year. He was, like – he came in as a receiver, I believe, and then like midway through the year or or early in the season, they transferred him or they moved him to defensive back where he saw immediate success. And he's one of those guys like um, I, I heard that he he flew under the radar and Coach Stoops didn't really like say anything or announce anything about him or even offer him until like the last minute so that other teams wouldn't find him. So I think Stoops thinks that he found a diamond in the rough with Jordan Robinson. Like I think he found a gem um, that he just didn't want anyone else to know about. Yeah, Jordan Robinson was – I think he was committed to another school. And then I think yeah, we flipped, we Appalachian him, State, I believe. And we flipped him. So uh, that's a typical Stoops corner, 6'3", 190. So I think that will give Robinson an edge too. But to backtrack on Childress, he played two seasons at Texas State, 2020. He had 61 tackles, a fumble recovery, and four pass breakups. And then 2021, he had 74 tackles, uh, 1.5, so one and a half tackles for loss, an interception, and two forced fumbles. Yeah, so when, and he's, when you look, he seems like another headhunter. When you look at our DBs we brought in, I think they'll all contribute. But at the end of the day, one of them is going to have to have more contribution from day one. Right. And then looking at that secondary room as it is now, like not looking at the transfers, you know, Carrington Valentine's most likely a day one starter. He struggled last year, like really bad. Um, he got burned quite a bit, but I do think he has the intangibles. He's got the perfect DB body, the broad shoulders, the long arms. He's super athletic. So I think he'll take a big jump from his sophomore to junior year. He's been a starter since he was a freshman. Um, so, you know, he's a guy with a lot of experience here. So I, I do think Carrington Valentine will be solid. Um, Jordan Lovett was the breakout performer in the spring game. He was absolutely incredible in the spring game, breaking up passes, hard hits, forcing fumbles. Like he's he's going to be hopefully the next Yusuf Corker. We're returning a sixth-year Tyrell Asian, who's a former four-star ESPN 300 safety, who, who was a three-year starter at UK. So getting him back for a sixth season was big back in that secondary um, former four-star Joel Williams out of Louisiana who chose us out of, at, over LSU. It's time for him to start contributing, Andrew Phillips. I mean, I could go on. There's tons of names in that secondary. Um, so I do think that some of these guys have to step up and will step up. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, defensive backs right now. One that I don't know if you mentioned, Jalen Geiger. No, I didn't mention him, but, yeah, he's going to be great too. 6'1", 200. He's going to be big. Mm-hmm. And then there is one more – Andre Stewart. Yep. Come the freshman of, coming in. Yeah. He was one that when I watched tape, I was pretty ecstatic that we landed him. Yeah, he was a big pickup for sure. And I think there was um oh, who was the other one out of Ohio? He was a four star. Uh, Alex Safari. He's gonna be Alex Safari is gonna be a, a good guy too. He he's an incoming four star out of Ohio. Um, very excited for Alex Safari. I think that, you know, he's not somebody a lot of people are talking about right now, but I do think he's going to contribute in that secondary as well. Yeah, Afari, he was – I followed his recruitment a little bit. He was leaning towards – was he committed to Auburn at one point or was he leaning towards – No, that was um, – that was uh, – oh, my goodness. Uh, his name is blanking on me right now. It was um, 
Jacoby Albert, I think was his name. Jacoby Albert. Yeah. yeah. He was he was committed to we flipped him from Auburn on signing day. He flipped gotcha. from Auburn to UK. He's another guy. So there's there's some incoming freshmen, but it's hard to like be excited for freshman defensive backs in college football, especially in the SEC, because it usually takes those guys a couple years to develop into a, a, a good SEC starter. So I want to be excited for some of these guys. We have a lot of talent in that room, but none of them are proven. We don't really have any proven studs in that room. We've got some guys who have done some things at other schools. Carrington Valentine, who's a multi-year starter here, but nobody's really like stands out as, hey, this is going to be our star. I think Vito Tisdale was that guy. He was the guy to be excited for at the secondary next year, and then he goes down with the ACL. So that was tough. 100%. Uh, I played – so I went to high school in Hardin County. We played Bowling Green where Vito went at Western's football field. Mm-hmm. And instead of Vito playing the position he was being recruited as, they had him at running back all night. So oh, wow. I don't know. I don't know if he was just too good at DB. They didn't want to play him there that night. But he was – I think he still had like three touchdowns playing running back. So yeah, I don't doubt it. I Vito is someone that I really wanted to see play this year, and my heart just broke when I saw that he tore his ACL. Yeah, because towards the end of the season – I mean, if – if this if his season didn't get like shortened by all that nonsense going on at the beginning of the year with the the charges from the frat party and all that, you know, we won't get into that, but the um, you know, it just turns out that that was just a bunch of nonsense and those charges got dropped. It just sucks that he had to miss the first half of the season because of that because he like he could have been a day one contributor in that secondary and if he had had a full season to develop a, a, a more of a season to develop cuz they couldn't even practice until those charges were dropped. So um, you know, I think that stunted it a little bit. But even then, even despite that, at the end of the season, he was still balling. Like, he was still knocking people's heads off. So, yeah, very sad about Vito. But, um, uh, re- you know, replacing that production on the defensive line, we got the Ohio State transfer, Darian Henry Young. But everything we're seeing is that he's not physically ready to start yet. Uh, former five-star Justin Rogers looks like he's developing nicely on that defensive line. He'll probably be a day one starter. Octavius Oxendine, you know, unfortunately he went out last season, like halfway through the season with, with that injury, but he was looking incredible. So he's back. Um, so that D line is still looking super strong. JJ Weaver's back on the edge. Jordan Wright is back for a sixth, sixth season. So how do you feel about that D line and, and kind of like replacing that Josh Pascal production and that Marquand McCall? So, Marquand McCall, um, I just feel like Rodgers has got to be that guy this year. He was a former five-star, Oak Park, Michigan. He's a junior. Rodgers, he's 6'3", 336. Mm-hmm. He has to be that guy this year, I think, in, to anchor the defensive line. But then when you look on the outside, you got um, Trevon Ripka, Khalil Saunders, Oxidine's back. Those three alone, I feel comfortable. Yeah, me but too. Need depth for sure. So you have uh, the dude from Delaware. He's a freshman. Tomiwa? Yes. Yeah. I, I like his film. And then Darian Henry Young, he's from Ohio State. So you have the pieces there. They just got to be physically ready and can't compete in the SEC. Right, absolutely. And And I do think those pieces are there, and I do think, you know, like there's another guy who who doesn't even get mentioned, Sam Anele. He was a former four star. Uh, he flipped from Miami, like Miami, Florida, to to Kentucky in his uh, recruitment. But he's a former four star ESPN 300 guy who hasn't really gotten his chance yet. But he's a guy who's going to be on the edge or, or on the defensive end. Um, so I think he's another guy who might be able to uh, uh, break into that 
um, defensive line. I, again, I think we do have the depth. You know, when you've got – you look at the middle, you've got Rodgers and Oxendine. You can't get much better than that in the middle. And then Ribka, Anele, Khalil Saunders – uh, you know, the names are there. The guys are there. Tomiwa looks like he's going to contribute as a true freshman. So um, I do like that D-line. And then a linebacker is pretty much set. Like I said, on the edge, you've got Jordan Wright and J.J. Weaver. J.J. Weaver's he's poised to have a big junior season, so I'm excited for him. And then uh, Jacques Jones and DeAndre Square in the middle of, of the that linebacking core. I don't know if there's a better two-man linebacking core when it comes to two middle linebackers, Jacquez Jones and DeAndre Square. I don't know if there's a better two-man linebacking core in, in the country when it comes to those two guys. Those are both guys who will probably get drafted next season. Yeah, I don't feel like there's a better linebacking core than that. Jones from Ole Miss, and now he's here. Square's been a starter since the year. Our first year, we won 10 games under mm-hmm. Stoops. Right. Just that experience is hard to replace, hard to – what's the word I'm looking for? Duplicate. Make up. Yeah. Duplicate. So that's probably one of the, my favorite. Obviously, I'm a Kentucky fan, so my favorite linebacking <laughs> core. But uh, Wallace, didn't even mention him. Trevin Wallace. Oh, my was, goodness. Yeah, that dude's going to be so good. Uh, Wallace, he was the one that had the – The blocked uh, field goal that he returned for a touchdown against Florida. Against Florida. That had the stadium rocking. Right. And then – I'm blanking. Yeah, I think those are the main names uh, at that position. Um, there's um, De'Eric Jackson as well uh, as another middle linebacker. Martez Thrower. Yep, Martez Thrower. He's it a might head be, hunter. It might be finally time for him to see the field too. Like I was kind of, I've been kind of waiting to see if he'll break in here and there, and he hasn't really like made his mark yet. But he's another guy, yeah, who could who could definitely step in. But I think the main names to look at. When it comes to the middle linebacker, we've got a four-man rotation there easily. You've got Square and Jones, who are obviously going to start. And then, you know, Trevin Wallace and De'Eric Jackson, you know, those are guys who are going to cycle in and and uh, be be very good for us. So the defense is fine. I am slightly concerned about the secondary, but the defense is looking pretty good. I think we're going to be fine defensively. Um, but offensively is kind of where the question marks are. Like you said on the O-line, who's going to step up as wide receiver? Can Keaton Upshaw have a big season at tight end? Um, but that kind of moves into the next topic, which is let's just talk a little bit about all this Will Levis hype. I'm sure you've seen, just like most of the rest of the BBN, there's been some mock drafts that's come out. I think the CBS Sports mock draft had him at number one overall in the 2023 mock draft. The PFF mark, mock draft had him going eighth to the Seattle Seahawks. So that's two top ten selections. Some of these other mock drafts have him – firmly in the first round. So how do you feel about this Will Levis hype? A lot of opposing fans kind of feel like, you know, this is stupid and and he's not that good and all that. But how do you, how do you feel about, you know, all this attention that Will Levis is getting before the season starts? Just uh, the opposing fan base is saying that's stupid. The one fan base is Louisville. And yeah. Levis ran for four touchdowns against Louisville. So, right. of course, they're going to think that's stupid. Yeah, but, and uh, ten- Tennessee fans too. Tennessee fans, right. But, no, I just think if you look at the Levis, he has the intangibles. I just think sometimes he needs to make better decisions. I think if he increases his decision-making, him going top five is realistic. Right, and the way I look at it, at least from a player comparison standpoint, he has a lot of the same qualities as Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen. He's big. He's physical. He's got a cannon for an arm. He can run. He's very physical when he runs. He's very athletic, hurdling people, juking people out. We know he's a good runner. We know that. We know he's an intelligent guy. He's got a high football IQ. And 
looking at the 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 interceptions and the decision making and stuff, I think it was something like five or six of his thirteen interceptions were not actually his fault. Like I remember the first interception he threw on the season, he threw a dot to Josh Ali and went right through his hands and just landed in the defensive back's hands behind him. And that was his first interception of the season. And I think that happened multiple times where either the route wasn't run correctly or the receiver dropped it um, or, or, you know, this, whatever the case may be. I do think that at maybe close to half of Will Levis's interceptions were not even really like his fault. So realistically, you know, if his receivers are doing what they're supposed to do, he probably doesn't throw 13 picks last year. But 24 touchdowns, almost 3,000 passing yards in his first season as a starter in the SEC. He didn't even start, you know, at Penn State. And then he comes and he has to start in the SEC and has a great season. So um, I think the hype is warranted. I think the accuracy issues are the biggest problem. A little bit of a pocket presence issue. He took too many sacks last year where you're a great runner, dude. You can tuck it and run when you need to. So, um, I think Rich Scangarello, the new offensive coordinator, is going to do a good job of of helping fix those problems. And the new receivers, you know, are probably going to be dropping less passes. Yeah, Levis definitely has more weapons this year. So while he will throw interceptions, that's just a given in football. It's not going to be as much. Right. The thing with him is, and that we really have to wait and see is we do have to see which receivers develop into into the guys we need them to be. You know, I think that. You know, we mentioned those names before, Tavion Robinson, Javon Baker, Barry on Brown, Dane Key, Dekel Crowdis. Those, the depth that the, I mean, senior, even a senior like Demarcus Harris, who's been a really solid contributor. He hasn't been great, but he's a contributor. He's a guy who's going to go out there and do what he's told to do, do what he's supposed to do and not try to do too much. So I think the weapons are there for Will. Um, you know, we'll have to see if the O-line can protect him. But like I said, it, you know, it's completely up to Rich Scangarello to kind of locate the problems, fix the problems. But um I don't. I'm not sitting here saying I think Will Evans will be the number one pick. I'm not saying I think he'll be a top ten pick, but I'm not surprised he's getting that level of, um, you know, hype right now by these scouts. You know, these scouts know what they're talking about. Like, yeah, they're probably doing it a little bit for shock value because they know people are going to be like, "What Will Evans number one? No way!" But there's also some validity behind it, and I think he does have the tool set to be an NFL quarterback without a doubt. If he does end up going number one, hypothetically. Do you think more people are going to start eating bananas with the peel on it or putting mayonnaise in their coffee? Uh, I hope not, dude. I don't want to see that anymore. I'm I'm not rocking with that at all, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I mean, we saw Alyssa Lang do it on SEC Network twice last season. So, um, <laughs> you know, maybe. Maybe people start doing it more. I really hope not. But uh, as, as an avid coffee drinker, I would not put mayonnaise in my coffee. But if Levis <laughs> goes number one, I'm going to have to try it. Oh, dude, I, I'm an avid coffee drinker as well, and I think I'd rather die. So um, <laughs> that's just so disgusting. But anyway, uh, I do think, though, all jokes aside, if he goes number one overall, that helps us with quarterback recruiting so much. Like so many high-level transfer quarterbacks, I don't maybe not so much high school quarterbacks. Like we're not going to start landing five-star top ten quarterbacks all of a sudden if he goes number one or if he goes top ten. But I do think quarterbacks are going to see like we're sitting here looking at our current backup quarterbacks. Like who's going to take over after Will Levis leaves? But realistically, if Will Levis sees a ton of success, there could be a high-level quarterback transfer who looks at Will Levis' success and goes, I'm going to Kentucky. I'm going to do what Will Levis did. It's kind of like what happened with Ole Miss. We saw how good Matt Corral was at Ole Miss, and then they got Jackson Dart from USC, who's going to step in and be a starter immediately. So um, that, that I do think that that has really good implications for the future of the quarterback position if Will Levis plays his way into being a first-round pick. I think that's going to help us a ton. 
I don't know if you saw it, but there's a five-star quarterback that I think 247 Sports or KSR, one of them reported about today, he liked what he was hearing from Kentucky and might be setting up a visit. I don't know if it's official or not, but he might be setting up a visit to Lexington. Yeah, I think I saw that as well. I'm trying to find his name. Do you have his name? I do not. I saw it briefly, briefly right, right when I got home before we yeah. got here. Yeah, I saw it briefly as well. I, I can't – it's not here right now, but, uh, yeah, I saw that. I mean, if we start getting looked at by five-star quarterbacks, it's – that's big, you know. And, and you see – you can see – we just signed the best recruiting class in the recruiting class in school history. I think it's a top 25 class in the country, which is unheard of, dude. Like, before he got here, we would be lucky to land one four-star recruit. We'd be so lucky to land one four-star recruit under, like, Joker Phillips and stuff. But then, Coach Stoops, this season we landed, what, like 10-plus four-star recruits? That's completely unheard of. And, like, two, one or two, two five-stars, depending on who you looked at. Goodwin yeah. was a consensus five-star, and then Barry and Barry Brown was a five-star yeah. in some yeah. services. So the recruiting is just continuously taking a step up every season, every season, every season. And – I'm really excited to see, you know, if if Coach Stoops can continue, um, you know, the hype train, if he can continue building this program. Realistically, I don't expect us to ever be a Georgia or an Alabama or even an Auburn. But if we can have, you know, every two or three years, we have a really good team that we've crafted that can can make a run for the SEC East like we have been. I'm fine with that. I And, and I think, you know, it's just up from here. It means a lot that Coach Stoops has not. Um, you know, taking any higher profile jobs. He's been offered plenty and he's turned them all down. So um, really loving the program right now. I'm just loving the direction we're going. Yeah, speaking of Stoops, I think he's the longest tenured coach behind Nick Saban in the SEC. Yes. Yep. And the one person that saved his job was uh, Steven Johnson that year. Right. Yeah. I mean, if Steven Johnson hadn't been as solid as he was, you know, it's a very good possibility that Mark Stoops got, gets fired after that year because – you know, we weren't seeing great results. And, and that Steven Johnson season was kind of the first season where, uh, you know, it re- there, there was hope. There was definitely some some hope there, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think Steven Johnson did save his job. Who was supposed to be the starter before Steven took over? Do you remember? I honestly can't remember. I don't because we added Steven, like, in the last month. Yeah, he was a last-second addition. I, I'm, I'm trying to recall – I think I have it here somewhere. Um, but, yeah, he oh, was – there was a – 16, 17-year? hmm But, yeah, I mean, just in a situation like that where a guy kind of comes in and, and, and kind of saves the job um, is big. Was it was it Drew Barker, but then he got hurt? So – or he, like, quit or whatever because of his back injury? I think I don't know. Yeah, I don't even remember the exact circumstances, but I do remember that he wasn't supposed to be the starter. Nobody really saw him as the starter, and then he kind of took over. But um, our next topic today is a little on the like not great side. I just want to touch on this because it is newsworthy. Um, you know, right off the bat, college kids they make mistakes. You know, I, I believe the context around this was that he was actually like at like a graduation party or something because he just graduated. Or he was about to graduate, had a little bit too much to drink and went for a drive and, you know, got arrested for a DUI. But this is Chris Rodriguez, the starting running back for Kentucky, one of the most decorated running backs in school history, um, catching the DUI charge. And then, of course, I think it was two days ago or it might have been yesterday, um, the news came out that there was another warrant out for his arrest for a failure to appear in court. 
And um, it turned out that that was actually his lawyer's fault. Like Chris wasn't supposed to show up to the to the um, court date. It was the lawyer that was supposed to show up to represent him. And then the lawyer didn't show up. So they ended up dropping that charge. But uh, you know, how are you feeling about this Chris Rodriguez thing? You know, what's your thoughts on, on this situation? So first off, as a college student myself that goes to a big party school, Western Kentucky, I always make sure I have a sober driver. You know, I mean, that's just like a rule of thumb in my book. I, I feel bad for Rodriguez. He was supposed to have an all-SEC all season, potentially All-American, depending on what he did. I saw something today where he might miss the first two games of the season now. Mm-hmm. But he has the potential to break Benny Snell's record this year. Right. So hopefully he can do that in two less games. I, I just feel bad for the kid because we all make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean – as a college senior at this point, you do have to know better than to to get in your car under the influence. Bro, I like there's even just fans would come pick you up and take you where you need to go. But if you don't trust, you know, random fans to do that, call one of the coaches. Call one of your buddies who who isn't hasn't been drinking. Like just make that, you know, especially if you have a potential NFL future and you you it just sucks because he's decided to come back. You know, he, he could have gone pro after last season. He could have gone pro after the season before that. He has turned down the NFL two years in a row to stay at Kentucky and continue to contribute for us and build his stock. And um, this is inevitably going to hurt his draft stock. Getting a DUI in college is going to hurt your draft stock. Maybe not a lot, but it will hurt. So you just got to make better decisions than that. And um, Chris knows that. He's, he's a smart kid. He's not an idiot, but... He did make a mistake, and I do think that a suspension is necessary for stuff like this. You can't let stuff like this slide. Um, so I do think like a one- or two-game suspension, but that would mean he's going to miss the Florida game. So that's a big hit against um, us potentially beginning a winning streak over Florida. You know, we want, if we win, if we beat them this year, that's two in a row. Starting a winning streak against Florida would be huge for this program. So, um, you know, you just can't hurt yourself and you can't hurt your team with making decisions like that. I just hope that we – if he is out for say two games, because this isn't the first game against like Miami of Ohio. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I just hope that if it's a one game, maybe he plays against Florida. But if it's a two game, I hope he can pull out that win. I think this might be the best year in recent years that we could beat Georgia and win the East. Yeah, I agree. I think with how much they lost to the NFL, you know, they're obviously there's still a bunch of five stars waiting their turn on that team and and, and stuff like that. But um, I agree. I think this is. Um, one of those years where, you know, you have to take advantage. This is probably the best Kentucky roster in recent memory, top to bottom, um, best quarterback play, best receiver core, uh, you know, best overall defense possibly depending on the secondary other than the 2018 season was like, that was different. There was like eight NFL players on that, on that 2018 team. But, um, you know, this is a season you have to take advantage of that. You know, the, the East is kind of down a little bit right now. Florida's down because they, I mean, it's a first-year coach. Florida's down. You know, Tennessee might be decent this year, but um, this is the, this is the season where we have to take advantage of the fact that everybody else might have a down year, and we have our best team in recent memory. So it's time to kick it into high gear. It's time to take that next step. If we make a trip to Atlanta, man, my my – my uh, passion as a Kentucky fan, like my goals as a Kentucky fan, they've been met by that point. If we are able to hit the SEC championship and play like Alabama in the SEC championship, whether or not we would win that game, who knows. But that right there would just be like pinnacle. That would just be peak as a Kentucky football fan. If we end up going to Atlanta, whatever classes I have on Friday, if I did have classes, 
not I'm I'm gonna be on my way to Atlanta. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, and it's funny because I actually currently live in Georgia, so I will be. I'm literally like 45 minutes from from the uh, Mercedes Benz Stadium, so I will be there as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so you know, not to not to touch on it any more than we have to. But the Chris Rodriguez situation is unfortunate. But I am very. I'm. I think this is one of the best uh, running back rooms we've had in recent memory as well. Jatan McLean's going to be unbelievably good. Like when Chris Rodriguez is gone, Jatan's day one starter, in my opinion, when when Chris leaves or to wherever he goes. Um, and then uh, even a guy like Michael Drennan looked really good in the spring game. I think he had like two or three touchdowns in the spring game. He looks much improved. Uh, Lavelle Wright, Cavassier Smoke is still there. So we've got that stable of running backs to where I'm not overly concerned at the loss of Chris Rodriguez for the first couple games. But of course you want one of your all-time leading rushers to be there uh, for the first couple games. So yeah, top five favorite UK football players. In yesterday's podcast, we gave our top five favorite Kentucky basketball players. So, um, you know, sticking to that theme, um, give me your top five all-time favorite UK football players. What you got? So in my lifetime, what I've seen so far, Josh Allen is up there. This is not in any order. Okay. But Josh Allen just dominant off the edge. Uh, probably the sole reason we won the first Citrus Bowl game against Penn State. Mm-hmm. Uh, Snell, loved watching him. And then Terry Wilson, I think UK fans didn't give him enough love. Yeah, so the next, the next two up in the air, Lonnie Johnson, I love watching him. But these two are from, like, around my area, and they're on the current team. Oxidine, he went to high school about 20 minutes away from mine. And then Vito Tisdale, just a headhunter. Mm-hmm. I just love everything he brings to the table. So Oxidine and Vito are on the current team, but then Alan Snell and Wilson from that 2018-2019 team. Okay, yeah, that's not a bad group at all. Um, I'm a little bit different because one of my – first favorite players ever was Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb is like easily one of my all-time favorite athletes in general, not just Kentucky football players. Like I love Randall Cobb. He was like the first player that I was really a huge fan of. Uh, He's the reason I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. Um, You know, when he got drafted by Green Bay, I I started getting into them. So uh, I've been a Packers fan since then. So I I love Randall Cobb. He's, he's, I, I don't, I don't know if he's number one. Like I'm not, ranking them in a specific order, but Randall Cobb is definitely on the list. Um, obviously, you have to put Benny Snell. I mean, there's no debate there. Just that guy's energy, his passion, um, and just the fact that he's the best running back in school history as of right now. Um, so Benny's – and he only did it in three years. You know, he's he, he left after his junior season. Um, so that was big. Number three, uh, you know, after Cobb and Snell has got to be Lynn Bowden. You know, when he carried that team where we – he, he gave up so much. Um, the guy was looking to go be an NFL wide receiver, and we asked him to play quarterback for us because we just didn't have another option, and we just didn't want to get blown out by everybody. So after Terry Wilson went down, Sawyer Smith was struggling and got a little bit banged up, we were able to plug Lynn Bowden in at, at, at quarterback, and he was just incredible. He carried us to seven wins that year, um, which it was was pretty crazy for a guy who you know wasn't a quarterback, but he was a starting quarterback in the SEC who didn't ever pass the ball but he still was incredible. And then he threw the game-winning touchdown pass against Virginia Tech in the bowl game, Belk Bowl, so that was big. Um, so Lynn is up there. Was that three? Was that Snell, Cobb, and Bowden? Was that just three? Yeah, three. So now this is where it gets a little hard. I loved Josh Allen for sure. Um, 
you know, he was a dominant force and, you know, probably the best defensive player we've ever had potentially. So, uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I just feel like he's got to be a staple on that list. Um, I loved Josh Allen. And then this fifth spot is a little bit tough. This is where it gets a little hard. Um, I understand the Terry Wilson respect and the Terry Wilson love because he, he did. He is very underappreciated. But I think Steven Johnson is my favorite um, Kentucky quarterback under the in the, in the Stoops era. Um, he was just like the heart he showed when he like front flipped over that Tennessee guy to to get the touchdown when he ran. He was playing injured like half the year and he was still insanely good. We beat Tennessee that year, I'm pretty sure. Um, just absolutely loved Steven Johnson. I loved his grit. You know, I don't know if you remember the picture where he was scrambling for like a 40 yard running in South Carolina and there's a picture of him like looking at the DB chasing him. He just stuck his tongue out at him. I was about to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah, so Steven Johnson, man, and I love Will Levis. Will Levis, after this season, after this upcoming season, might slide into my top five over Steven. But as of right now, Stevens is my Steven Johnson's my favorite UK quarterback. He was just, I just loved his energy. I loved the fact, I mean, that guy just put everything on the field at all times. And so Steven Johnson's in my top five. Yeah, not a bad list at all. Uh, I probably should have put Johnson in there. I mean, he did save Stoops' job, and look at what Stoops has done now. Right. Yeah. Is, I think we're becoming, which, like you said, I don't think we're going to be a Georgia or a Bama anytime soon, if at all. But I feel like Stoops is transforming this program into a dual sport program, you know, basketball yeah. and then football. Absolutely. And, I, I mean, if you look at the Kentucky athletics as a whole, we won a national championship in volleyball last season. Um, you know, the baseball team's not great, but it's okay. The softball team, I believe, was ranked in the top 25 for the majority of this year. Um, you know, the soccer team's always pretty solid. So, like, Kentucky the athletics. Rifle team. They won the rifle national team's, title. like, the best ever. Uh, the cheerleading is, like, we're, we're like the Alabama of cheerleading, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> we have, like, 30 national championships in cheerleading. So, you know, those are all, of course, a little more obscure sports, but, you know, the big question mark at UK forever has always been the football team. You know, oh, yeah, Kentucky is just a basketball school. The football team sucks. And now the whole athletics department as a whole is is doing great, and then the football team is starting to get some respect. And it's hard to break people's perception of, oh, Kentucky sucks. That's why we still don't get respect. Kentucky football sucks. Kentucky football sucks. We've always sucked. We're always a basketball school. It's hard for people to shake that perception because it was going on for so long. That would be like if Kansas football – randomly had a solid year in football or a solid couple years and then Kansas football fans are like hey yeah we're we're here now we're a good football program and then all these of course all these other programs are gonna be like no you're not like you're Kansas nobody respects you so it's it's similar where we've had to shake off that perception from other schools and other fans about hey we're not just terrible we're not a bottom feeder we're not Vanderbilt you know what I mean we're 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 here we're recruiting solid we're getting people in here and we're winning games yeah, I'm, I'm liking where the football team is going. Uh, I think before Stoops showed up, it had been like 30 years since we had a 10-win season, and we have two in the last four years. Right. I think we have a chance of doing it this year. just depends on who steps up in certain positions. But right. Stoops is – I think Stoops is finally getting the praise he deserves. I mean, people are calling for a statue of him now. Yeah, which I would think is deserved. I think, you know, what is he, like two wins away from beating Bear Bryant as the all-time coaching wins leader? That sounds right, yeah. two wins. So he's like – he's literally two wins away from being the all-time winningest coach in U.K. football history, which it's not a very difficult list to, you know, to, to surpass because we haven't been that great. But, you know, it's impressive what he's done for sure. Yeah, 100%.
So I don't know. I, I, I guess real quick before, you know, we kind of start to wrap this thing up, what would be your schedule prediction? Like, um, I, we don't, you don't have to go through the whole schedule, but kind of like what's a, what's a record prediction for Kentucky football next year for you? Let's see. I mean, the variable of Chris Rodriguez might miss the Florida game. Do you – what is the – I want to find the roster, the schedule before a – Okay. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I do think that it's possible that, uh, you know, we have either equally as good of a season as last year, if not better when it comes to record. And if, if we get any better, we're 11-2 and two or, you know, 12-1, and one, which is insane to think about. So week one, Miami of Ohio, Red Hawks. That's at Kroger Field. I, I'm penciling that as a W. Right. Kentucky at Florida in Gainesville. I think Kentucky pulls that out just because Florida's in their first year with a new head coach. Mm-hmm. Then you have Youngstown State, Northern Illinois. I feel like that those are Ws. Those are wins. Okay. Both of those are in Lexington, by the way. Uh, Kentucky at Ole Miss. Who's our Jackson Darts, their quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. That's tough. That's a tough one. That's one of the ones I might look at as a potential L. See, if I penciled that, if I look at the schedule right now, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 12 games? Yeah. If I look at the schedule right now, how I want to see it, I 11 and 1 possibly. Um, I think they, the two games, and it's going to hurt me to say, the two games they might lose besides the Georgia game might be Tennessee and Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. If I had to pencil in two L's. Um, but South Carolina, they have Spencer Rattler and the tight end from Oklahoma. Right. So yeah. if if I had to give a prediction right now, I would say 10-2 and two with the other L besides Georgia coming to Ole Miss or Tennessee. And that's that's a you know I can definitely see that I'm gonna give a little bit more of a pessimistic look on it like kind of a just like a you kind of gave like a best case scenario so I guess I'll just on the flip side I'll give kind of like a worst case scenario maybe not worst case I mean worst case scenario will be that we lose you know we don't make a bowl game but um, I think that that opening you know going in, in week two at Florida at the swamp that's going to be really tough especially like even it, even though they have a new coach even though they lost a bunch of players you know this new coach is going to start Anthony Richardson at quarterback like he's supposed to Emory Jones is no longer there Emory Jones was not very good um and so Emory Jones is gone Anthony Richardson is very dynamic quarterback so he's going to be solid they did lose a lot though so i think i feel good about us winning that game potentially but it's at the swamp. You know how bad of a luck we have historically there. So I'm not going to pencil that in as an L, but I think like right off the bat, that's that's if we lose that game, that's just a bad start to the season. Um, Ole Miss, I don't know if you saw, they landed the UCF receiver transfer today. It was like the best receiver for UCF, one of the best receivers in the American Conference. So they've been landing like incredible. I think they're actually number one in in transfers. I think they have the most transfers the most high-level transfers of any school. So Ole Miss is going to be really tough. Yeah, um, at Western Kentucky, we had a receiver who transferred, like, mid-year. And uh, I've never heard of him personally, but I have a friend who's on the football team, and he said that the dude is – he's really good. Uh, Something – Wade, I don't don't know his name. 
but he's a receiver and my friend on the football team who, you know, obviously football team, they're friends. He knows them. He right. said that he's he's pretty solid. So they got a receiver from uh Western Kentucky. So Okay. Yeah, Ole Miss, man. Ole Miss is scary. I think that it de- it all depends on whether Jackson Dart is any good because they did have a Heisman hopeful in in Matt Corral last year who was really good for them. But I don't know if Jackson Dart will be as good as him. But I'm gonna I'm just gonna say off the bat I'm gonna pencil in Ole Miss as an L. I just think that they are so loaded and Lane Kiffin's offensive attack is crazy. And I think by that point in the season, you know, game four or or game five, our secondary is still gonna be um, trying to figure stuff out. Um, so that's my concern there against Ole Miss. So I'm going to go ahead and say I think that's probably an L, um, just realistically, pessimistically, I would say. South Carolina, I'm still not concerned with them. It's at Lexington. I'm not I'm not worried about South Carolina, to be honest. I understand the Spencer Rattler stuff, but Spencer Rattler couldn't get it done at Oklahoma in the Big 12. What makes you think he's going to be a top-notch elite quarterback in a much harder conference? I just don't see it personally. So I don't think South Carolina is an L. Mississippi State, I think we get our revenge on them. They're not – too impressive to me personally so I think we just we had like a really flat game against them last year I don't really think they were better than us I think we just came out flat Tennessee it's in Knoxville Hendon Hooker's back um you know as much as I hate to say it Heupel's doing a great job over there so I think I don't want to pencil it in as an L because it's Tennessee but I'm gonna say that I feel like that might be a really tough one so in my schedule looking at this I think L's to Georgia Tennessee, Ole Miss, and possibly Florida is kind of the realistic outlook on it for me personally. So I gave a ten and two. Um, so hearing you, I might go to nine and three. But the one game that scares me, and I don't know if you'll agree with me or not, that Northern Illinois game. I get it's in Lexington, but didn't they win their conference last year? Yes, they won their conference, and I believe they won a pretty tough bowl game too. So they're they're definitely no slouch. You know, people get on. Coach Stoops for scheduling bad out-of-conference opponents, but that's they're not a slouch at all. They're pretty good. Yeah, so – I'd be an upset. I, maybe. But if I had to – after hearing you, I'd go 9-3 and three again, I'd say. Okay, yeah. 9-3 and three, um, is is very realistic. 8-4 and four is kind of my prediction. Um, we are better than we were last year, but this schedule is much harder than last year's schedule where it was. And we we squeaked out some wins last year. We barely, you remember, we barely beat Chattanooga, who's like barely a Division One program. Um, you know, we we eked it out against Missouri, who was terrible. We eked it out by six against South Carolina, who was terrible last year. Um, so you know, we got blown out by Mississippi State. So I'm very high on this team, but I'm also trying to be. I'm trying to temper my expectations so I don't get pissed when we lose four games. <laughs> so um, I would rather be, I would rather expect us to lose those four and be pleasantly surprised if we win them rather than expect to win them and then be upset when we don't. Yeah. If, um, if I had to go on a limb here, say we do beat Georgia hypothetically or me, like I said, going on this limb, if we beat Georgia, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm finding a couch to burn as a typical Kentucky fan. <laughs> I'm finding a couch to burn. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's time for me to get a new couch anyway. So I might might do it. (laughs) But, yeah, so um, that's kind of just like the outlook on the – what we've covered the roster. We covered Will Levis. We covered Chris Rodriguez. We gave our top five favorite all-time UK players. Then we gave our schedule predictions. So is there anything else like you have to – that you want to kind of get out there before we uh, wrap up this episode? I know. I think we're good. All right, well – 
Uh, so that's episode two of the Kentucky Connection Pod, you know, mostly focusing on the football team today. Um, I think we had some really good discussions here. Um, I'm not entirely sure what the next episode will entail because we kind of yesterday we covered the basketball team. Today we covered the football team. Um, so we'll see if some news comes out. Maybe tomorrow or maybe the next episode we can talk about kind of like uh, the guys, some of the guys we have in the NBA, like some uh, some Kentucky players in the NBA and, and kind of how they're doing in the playoffs and things of that nature. So um, I'm sure we'll come up with something and to talk about in the next episode if no news comes out with before then. But uh, Laren, thanks for the co-host again today. This was a ton of fun. I've been enjoying you know these last two episodes we've done. I've been enjoying them too. Looking forward to the future. Yeah, man. And uh, just a big shout out and a big thank you to those of you who have been listening to it. Um, Our first episode from yesterday is now up to 97 plays within the last 24 hours. So that's a big, big, big stuff for the first ever episode, 97 plays in less than 24 hours. So thank you guys so much for listening to this. I hope this is something y'all enjoy. I hope this is something y'all keep coming back to and uh, we'll catch you in the next one. So go cats. Go cats.